TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday morning, February 5th, the eve of the NBA trade deadline. This is Scoop Podcast episode 279, an emergency edition of the Scoop Podcast after all the happenings with the Timberwolves last night. Joining us now is our good buddy, longtime Nets executive. He now works for ESPN. He is ESPN's front office insider. It is Bobby Marks. Bobby, you've been on the podcast a number of times. You have mentioned that you viewed this year for Gerson Rosas as an audit year, right? That he would audit the situation. I suppose the auditing is done. I mean, Bobby, if you go back multiple weeks, including the Jeff Teague trade, six players out in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think you uh, – I don't know if it's the audit is completely done, but I think he's kind of have a, has a good idea as far as um, – you know where this roster is right now, and I think when you look at the, you know, the trade, the you know the fourteen, uh, twelve player trade, um, he took advantage of uh, Robert Covington's contract and his certainly his play on the court, and yeah, you know, essentially got you know, um, you know, two first round picks. One of those went to the Nuggets and and got some, you know, some nice young players back. He gets some shooting back, and um, but yeah, there's been a lot of movement with this roster. Certainly started with that uh, that Jeff Teague trade, and we still got a little more time until the, until the deadline on on February 6th for them to um, see if they can do something else. They you know, they've got about two roster spots open, but as, as I said last night, they're they're really close to that luxury tax at 1.6 million below. So I don't see ownership kind of um, rubber stamping a deal to put them into the tax there. No, I mean, I can guarantee you that, Bobby. There's no way that Glenn Taylor is paying the luxury tax with this roster and non-playoff team. So I guess what makes logical sense, maybe they sign like a G League point guard to a 10-day deal. I mean, you're right. They have two open spots. They really don't have a point guard. I mean, Jared Culver can play on the ball. Andrew Wiggins can play on the ball. Heck, maybe even Evan Turner. You know, Jalen Noel, their second-round pick, is back. I hope he gets some run. But really, Jordan McLaughlin is their only true point guard after Shabazz Napier goes out, Jeff T goes out. You know, so I guess it makes sense just to sign a guy to a 10-day deal, maybe? Yeah, I mean, that's um, – you can do a 10-day. You saw um, Miami last year sign, you know, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson towards the end of the year and gave them, um, you know, a three-year contract. Uh, Minnesota still has the flexibility to use some of their – you know, part of their um, their uh, mid-level exception, and they would still keep them under, um, you know, under the tax. So plenty of options to do. I don't, I don't anticipate, um, you know, if, if – you know, Evan Turner was kind of the guy's the name that we circled as far as a potential buyout. I think, um, I think Evan would want to find a home first before he entertained that. And I think Evan wants to play. I, I, I think if if it's Minnesota or a playoff team, I think, yeah, I think he, you know, he's going to be a free agent in, in the summer. I think he just wants to, to be on the court here. I'm with you. I'm waiting to hear back on on that part of the equation. Yeah, I mean, I think it does make logical sense that that Evan Turner asks to get out of here at some point maybe not immediately but maybe eventually although one can make a case Bobby that this team this locker room could use the leadership of Evan Turner well and he is a great leader I mean I think you saw it in uh in Boston I think you saw it in uh in in Portland and um you know I the 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 trouble with doing a buyout or asking to be asking the waves is that if, if he goes to another team, there's no guarantee that he's going to play. I think he's going to, as I said, I think he's going to play in this um, 
in, in with the Timberwolves here gives them gives them some quality, you know, depth of big guard, um, you know, to, to, to play a point guard. So I think that's kind of a that will be a developing situation. He doesn't have to be um, waived until March first to be eligible. So there there's still some time there. I mean, it comes full circle. I mean, Ryan Saunders' dad, Flip, the late Flip Saunders. Tried to sign Evan Turner. It was the summer of 2014. Evan was looking for a multi-year deal. I think he eventually got it. The Wolves were willing to do a one-year deal. But I remember Flip, you know, having conversations with Flip that he was always a big Evan Turner fan, just going back to his days in the Big Ten and Flip following the Big Ten closely and Evan being a big-time prospect coming out of Ohio State. On Robert Covington, Bobby, do you think the Wolves maximized everything they could with him as a trade chip? Like, was there a better deal out there? Maybe with Philadelphia maybe with the Clippers, maybe with Milwaukee. I mean, many teams had interest in Covington. Do you feel like the Wolves made the best deal possible for Robert Covington? I, I do, and I look at, you know, the, the Brooklyn uh, first that they got from Atlanta is, is probably the most, one of the most valuable uh, picks out there outside of uh, certainly a lottery a lottery pick and because where the Nets are, you know, they're in that 7-8 range in the East. Um, the pick's probably going to be the 15th or 16th pick in the draft, so I think I think that certainly has value. I think if you were looking at other teams, um, you were probably looking at picks in 24, 25, 26 in the, in the back end of of the first. So you, you get a first, a good first. Uh, you get uh, Malik Beasley, who um, you know certainly had some nice moments in in in, um, in Denver and gives you some shooting. Um, you get Juancho Hearn Gomez, uh, you know, a big former first round pick. You got to figure out what you're going to do from a a salary standpoint, but you know the, the one guy um, that I really like, and he has not gotten much time at all, but he's been in the G League a lot. Is is Jared Vanderbilt? I mean, I I, I think he's got a chance here. And interesting, uh, I got yeah. to I got to see him in um, Vegas during the, the G League showcase, yeah. and I just love his size. He's young. He came into the league with a broken foot. Um, his is he's healthy now. Um, I think it's he's a little bit of a developmental project, but that's kind of a name to keep keep an eye on. If you know, in kind of a lost season, if he can get some run on the court for the last you know twenty five thirty games here, that's interesting. Give us a little bit more on Hernan Gomez. Is his first name is the pronunciation Wancho? He was wasn't he like pick sixteen or he was a top twenty pick in the last few years? So there has to be some potential there, right? Oh, there is. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, he's battled some some injuries. He he was sick, um, you know, in his first couple of years. So his minutes and his games and and, and what happens is that you know that Denver team is deep. I mean, they you know so it's it's hard for him, and that was a big reason why they wanted to pull the pull the trigger on this is that it, it was hard to find minutes for Beasley and Hernan Gomez unless there was an injury here, and both guys were going to be restricted free agents and. Uh, the cost might have been a little bit too too high for you, but yeah, he gives you. You, know, you can play him at three. You can play him at four. Um, you know, six eight, six nine. Um, can, can shoot the ball. Um, so it's it's almost like you know, as I said, it's almost like an open audition for these guys for him and Malik as far as get to know you know um, familiarity within the next three or four months here, um, and then when you get the free agency, figure out if there's a comfort level as far as you know if you want to bring these guys back. On Beasley, on Hernan Gomez, both guys restricted free agents this summer. I think you were the one who broke the news, Bobby, back in, I guess it would have been, what, October, that the Nuggets offered Beasley three years. Was it $30 million, and he turned yeah. that down? Yep, right around the, um, you know, he was going through an agent change. He's got, he has Rich Paul now. Um, 
he the thir- the, the the ten per is comparable to what the mid level uh, is, and he was also he was coming off a really strong season. So I understand why he would want to go into um, why he would want to go into free agency. I still think that I think that number is kind of right there still. Uh, he's been up and down this year, as I said, his minutes. But who knows? I mean, he could put together a really strong you know two and a half month stretch here, and and that that changes, but. You know, as you, as we've talked about before, you know, there's just not a big market of teams out there, right? With cap space this summer to go out and give him twelve or thirteen million dollars, and I don't, I don't see that as, as the price tag for him, especially for for a backup. So, I mean, the idea would be that Beasley, even with his restricted status, is probably a piece that Rosas wants here for the foreseeable future, definitely here next year. Well, yeah, I think that's, I think if if you're acquiring a guy on expiring like what you did with. Alan Crabb and even even Evan Turner, who are unrestricted, they're basically a rental for for three months. It's a little bit different when you have an expiring and they've got the restricted tag, just because you have the ability to match uh, any offer, and um, that gives you an advantage there. I'm an idiot, Bobby. I mean, on Sunday night, I got word that the Wolves could end up acquiring this Brooklyn Nets first round pick via Atlanta. I really thought it would convey in 2021. I just I hadn't looked at the standings in the last few weeks. I knew the Nets were below 500. I guess I forgot, Bobby, how bad the East is. Like the Nets are making the playoffs. I'm the idiot for tweeting it the way I did on Sunday night because this pick is absolutely going to convey this year, right? I mean, the Nets are making the playoffs. Well, and here's the beauty of it. I think Brooklyn won five, has gone five and seventeen, and then has not moved out of the seventh seed. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, they're they're uh, they're. I think they're five ahead in the loss column. Before, yeah, I mean, you look at the back end there. Um, with Chicago, I mean, who who's going to go on a run, right? Chicago, nobody. Detroit, Washington, Atlanta, New York, Cleveland. Charlotte, none of those teams are going on. I don't see them putting a stretch of teams together to win five or six in a row. And I think if, if I think Brooklyn can go three and have stretches of three and seven and four and six for the rest of the year and win thirty six games and, and get into, into the playoffs. So yeah, I think um, unless something really devastating happens, I think that pick will convey, and it will probably be the fifteenth or sixteenth pick in the draft. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it's the sixteenth pick. How valuable is that pick this year? Well, it's it's a little bit of a uh, average to below average draft. I, I I've, I've equated it as one of those drafts where we're going to see some separation in team scouting departments, right? I think you know we'll see. It's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but when you're picking up high and you kind of have have a strong pool of players to pick from, um, certainly the hype machine of the draft helps there. Um, but when you're picking at 15 and 16, um, I think as long as you do your homework. You can find guys. I mean, we've seen a Bam out of bio go, I think, at 14. Tyler Hero went at 13. So there are mm-hmm. guys. John Collins. Um, you know, um, Brandon, Cl- Brandon Clark in Memphis went, um, you know, at 21. You were Zach Collins. So, yeah, you can you can find guys that are part, you know, that can be part of your rotation there. All right. D'Angelo Russell. I just – explain to me, Bobby, why Golden State would trade him Right now, I get the Wolves' fascination, obsession. I mean, they are borderline stalking the Warriors and Russell, trying to acquire him. Nothing has changed on that front going back to June. But I just don't understand why in the next, you know, whatever it is, 32 hours, 31 hours, 30 hours, 29, whatever it is as we're talking here at 10 a.m. Central on on Wednesday morning, I just don't know why in the next, you know, 24-plus hours, why the Warriors would trade Russell to the Wolves 
now. Maybe in the summer. In fact, the summer wouldn't shock me. But why would they make that move now? It doesn't make sense to me. No, you're right. It, it is a little bit of uh, perplexing that we even are, are we're talking about it. And you know, those trades that that those talks kind of moved along and then kind of you know kind of ran into an obstacle. And we we wrote about it. Um, there's an article on ESPN.com with kind of like nine big questions, and that was the one I answered that. Um, I don't see any value why Golden State would want to move off Russell um, right now, um, especially knowing that you've got Clay Thompson and Steph Curry coming back. You're going to have a top four or five pick here. Let this breathe a little bit and see how these players maybe work or just go into the offseason. You know, when you get closer to the draft and you know that um, who is picking where, um, who is going to be available? Maybe Bradley Beal eventually becomes available there, and that's something they want to do. Um, that you know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to do when compared to when you have a deadline, right? When you have a 3 p.m. deadline on on a Thursday, it kind of forces you to, you know, maybe do some reckless deals. But yeah, I, I'm I'm in the uh, notion that uh, they hold on to them, they don't do anything, and they kind of just take this into the offseason. The trade deadline is tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. If you're the Wolves, if you're Gerson, would you maybe use that Nets pick and try to get out from underneath either Gorgie Jang's contract or if there was a possibility, Andrew Wiggins's contract, that to move one of those contracts this summer, you need to attach a sweetener or maybe in the next you know, 28 hours? I mean, is that something maybe you would look at? Well, I think it's just a matter of what do you, how do you see cap, what do you value in cap space, right? I mean, um, if you're going to use it and, and acquire a player that maybe can help the roster, certainly I think that's something that, that to look at if, if the player's got some length to his contract. But just to attach it to get um, to get rid of the contract or to save money, I think especially for Gorgie, where as I said, you know, this is a summer where you really don't want cap space. You know, if you're going to go um, hunting for free agents. Um, it's going to be in, in 21, and that, that contract can, can certainly have value this summer when you're trying to, you know, maybe D'Angelo Russell does become available and you got to kind of piecemeal a deal. How demoralizing, I mean, I don't know if you've been a part of lengthy losing streaks, presumably in all your years working for the Nets, there was probably <laughs> hey, one or a, two. Here's a, here's, a, here's a quick story for you. When <laughs> yeah. we, when back in, back in oh, um, 09 10, um, the schedule came out. And one of our marketing guys came down, and, I'm, and what I used to do is circle games, right? You go through that that exercise, like here's a win, here's a loss, here, you know, like. Uh-huh. And and he, our, our head of marketing came down. And he goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm I'm I'm, I'm circling games." And he goes, and "I said to him, you know, we're already at must win game one, right? I think we were playing Timberwolves on opening night. I said we've already because if we don't win, we're going to go on a, about a nine or game nine or ten game losing streak, and we won, I think we lost eighteen in a row to start the season. So yes." I am accustomed to long losing streaks. Um, what happens is you get numb to it. Um, you get accustomed to losing, which is not a good thing. Um, it is not a good feeling when you look up in the standings and you are 25 games out of a playoff spot or you're 10 and 34 and you still have 37, 38 games to do. So I, I think the goal, I think you have to have little goals here, right? I think you have to focus on your younger player. So it's Culver and Okoji, right? I think you have to make sure that um, Ryan keeps this locker room together. No bad habits. Um, you know, there, there's a there's certainly a, a, a trend where guys can go stat hunting or kind of take that me first attitude. So I think it's you know you kind of wipe wipe away what's happened up until now. 
And now you just focus on the last 30 to 35 games here and kind of just hopefully you can use that going into next year. Like tonight. Okay, so the Wolves have a 12-game losing streak, Bobby. Atlanta is here tonight. So it's clearly a game that the Wolves can win, probably should win, even with only, I think it's 10 guys available tonight. But still, like, they should win tonight. But then after that, Clippers, Raptors. Okay, you get Charlotte next Wednesday. That's a winnable game. But then the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Heat. Like, if they don't win tonight, I don't know, Bobby. Like, it could be comparable to, to that 18-game losing streak you just explained. Yeah, and it's not it's not fun, right? It's not a, it's not a fun. It's a demoralizing, um, it's a demoralizing process, especially when, you know, you haven't had much success. You know, you went to the playoffs that one year. But it's like if you're a ticket holder or you're a fan, you're just trying to figure out, like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And that's why I said, like, you need some of these players that are going to be here for the long haul to kind of show some progress. I think just keeping Carl healthy certainly um, helps. I think it gives. I think the new guys give you a little bit of a breath of fresh life. With you know, you want to see what Malik Beasley mm-hmm. can do. You want to see what Wancho Hearn Gomez um, can do. You want to see what Jared Vanderbilt can do. So it, it turns over the roster. It's not some of the the, uh, the old faces that you've had. All right, of the guys that went out. Like, I think Bates Diop has a chance to be a rotation guy moving forward. I mean, Napier, Bell, Vonley, expiring deals. But, like, are you a believer in, like, I think of Jordan Bell being with Creative Arts Agency or Noah Vonley being with XL Sports Management, two of the biggest agencies around. Those guys really weren't playing here. Are you a believer that that you can you can earn goodwill with agencies by doing their clients a favor, like in this case the Wolves doing a favor? For Jordan Bell and Noah Vonley, presumably Vonley will get a little bit of run in Denver, and Bell will get a little bit of run in Houston. Heck, Houston could probably give Jordan Bell some good run. Yeah, I think it helps. I think every player is kind of different when you get into, um, you know, when you get into free agency and you're dealing with some of the bigger agencies. Of course, money is a deciding factor. I think, but it is. I think it's important to build up. You know, some street cred with, um, you know, if it is a Jeff Schwartz or Leon Rose, some of these bigger name guys, because where it really helps you is when, when you get going for doing the draft process, right? And you have guys that don't want to come to Minnesota or don't want to come to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of circle back and, and, and you, if you have that relationship with that agent, I think that makes a, that process a little bit easier. Can you explain what the Rockets are doing or heck, did they look at it and say, we can't, with Capella, compete against Denver and the Lakers and I guess maybe Harrell and the Clippers in the playoffs. Like, we need to do something, and maybe Covington gives them a better chance. Well, it's a consistent rotating door in Houston, right? It feels like they're never content with the roster. And when you look at Chris Paul gone, you look at um, Clint Capella gone, uh, there's certainly some, some heavy turnover, and I think – what we're going to see is, you know, what we've seen in the last three games is small ball. You know, we'll see probably Covington play four and Tucker play five, and I think that's going to be a challenge when you play some of these teams with length, like Utah with Gobert and uh, Denver with Jokic, certainly the Lakers with um, with, with Anthony Davis here. Um, it's interesting, though, you know, the trade hasn't gone through yet. They still have a window to use some, you know, there's the, the possibility to kind of find a 4 or $5 million center in there and maybe expand this to a five a five team deal. Um, so I think that's kind of what Houston is Houston is looking at. But yeah, I I like Clint Capella. Um, I like his salary. I like him as a player. Um, it's hard to find um, you know good centers kind of making fourteen to fifteen million. But 
as I said, you know, he was really their lone, you know, lone trade asset. And, um, in, in, you know, Daryl had Robert, you know, basically had Robert Covington when he was, you know, his first go at it in, mm-hmm. in the league. So there is some, there is some familiarity there. All right. You said there's a chance that it could expand to a five team. Like this is already ridiculous. I think you tweeted an unbelievable note last night, Bobby. I mean, four team, 12 player. I mean, this is one of the biggest transactions in NBA history, right? Already, let alone if they add a fifth team. Well, we haven't seen uh, something this big, uh, I think, since uh, the year 2000, right? When Patrick Ewing was traded to Seattle. And that was a four teamer, 12 player. And it's hard. These deals are hard to do. I mean, you have to, A, you have to get the cooperation of everyone, the paperwork process, um, physicals. I'm sure there's going to be reporting and passing physicals. Um, you know, guys can't play until basically everything is, is finalized um, by the league. So, yeah, I mean, you add a fifth team, and if it does expand, um, it pre- presents a challenge. I think I think the b- big reason why you saw it get done on, on, on you know late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, be, is that this would have been really hard to pull off at kind of at the 11th hour if this was on, on Thursday. What's it like being in a front office when you're trying to involve – a third or even a fourth team like how I mean you sort of laid it out a little bit but how crazy is that well you know it's like that game when you're when you're younger you like the card game right you build a stack right it makes it into a, a house or a tower and if you pull one card off the top the whole thing's going to collapse so that's that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge is that you know we saw last year and, and it was a less of a complicated when Memphis and Washington and um, Phoenix you know screwed up the whole Brooks thing right like we thought it was Dylan Brooks, and it was Marshawn Brooks, and here, I think what you probably saw last night was all four teams get on on a call, um, not with the league but with each other, and say these are the parameters. This is going to be who is going, who is coming. So when you do the trade call today or tomorrow, everyone is um, is is um, is aware of the players. I think probably what you also saw is probably one team and probably Minnesota kind of act like the quarterback in this deal. Kind of they put together the trade. Um, they were the facilitator. They were the ones creating the dialogue with um, with each team to make sure there there was a comfort level. What sort of fan are you of Jarrett Culver? And I'll let you go in a little bit here, Bobby. But on Monday in Sacramento, in that loss, three points, one rebound, one assist. Here is per game averages over the last seven games. I thank our friend Dane Moore for doing the research on this. Points four point nine, rebounds two point three, assists one point three. Three-point field goal percentage, 33.3%. Two-point field goal percentage, 25%. I mean, Jarrett Culver, I think, will be in the league, Bobby, for a long time. He works his ass off. He can defend. I think he is a plus defender. But I'm just not sure. And it's early. It's premature. I hope I'm wrong on this. But I'm just not sure he'll ever live up to number six pick expectations. Well, that's right. I mean, I think I think kind of where we get in trouble is that we, we compare him to Guys who were picked before, and certainly guys that maybe Minnesota had a chance on um, on selecting here. So if you're saying, you know, hey, you know, Tyler Hero is playing well in Miami, yeah, he's playing really well. I think Tyler Tyler's a little more a little more established, although he was only down there a year. So uh, yeah, at, at Kentucky. So yeah, for me, I I don't get quite caught up. Um, I want to see this play out because I hate giving up on 19, 20 year old kids, 21 year old kids. 
Um, but yeah, I think there is a little bit of concern for, for some trends. I think there was, I think the last time we talked, there were some, some nice moments. There uh, were, yeah. I think he had a, a stretch of three or four games there. So I think the next, you know, I think the second, well, it's not even the second half, but the next 30 to 35 games is going to be critical for him, right? I think he needs to use it as a springboard um, kind of going into, in, into the summer. Yeah, I mean, how would you navigate minutes? I mean, clearly these games, I mean, you want to win one game to end this 12-game losing streak, but they're not going to the playoffs. They may as well, you know, for lack of a better way of explaining it. I mean, they're not tanking. They're all trying to win, but losses are not a bad thing. Try to accumulate losses, get as high a draft pick as you can, even if it is just an average or a below-average draft. The chances of striking gold, the higher you are, are probably better, but Evan Turner thinks he's going to play. Like, I think he is going to stay here for a bit, maybe reevaluate closer to that March 1st day. But Evan Turner thinks he's coming in and he's going to play. Alan Crabb is going to play. Malik Beasley is going to play. I imagine that Hernan Gomez is going to play. Like, how, if you're Ryan Saunders, how do you navigate these minutes? Like, do you give some minutes to, you know, Nas Reed, who's a young guy? You know, Jalen Noel, their second-round pick, has been dominating in the G League. He's now back up. Like, would you play him? Do you play Culver a bunch of minutes? Like, how how would you navigate these remaining games with all these guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a balancing act, right? It's kind of like you want to develop your young players over the next 30 games or continue to develop over the next 30 games. You, you want to win because I think winning creates good habits. Um, and you also want to play, you know, some of these veterans that are probably – um, you know, keeping this team together. So how do you balance that? Do you treat it almost like preseason where you're dividing the minutes and it's you playing 20 to 25 minutes? I think that can turn certainly certainly players off. Certainly Carl Anthony Towns is looking to play 30 to 35 minutes or even more. So that's going to be the, the tall task for, um, for for Ryan because it's it's basically he has a new team. So it's now it's kind of teaching this, you know, you know principles of their offense, of their defense, playing catch-up here. Um, but you also don't want to just give guys minutes because they're a 19-year-old player. I think that, I think it's important for these guys to earn their minutes. Um, I think it's important for them to uh, play, but if it becomes a detriment, then I think you start to kind of restrict things. I'll let you go after this. Malik Beasley had some DNP CDs earlier this year, but last year, like, he was really good. I mean, he was a relatively big reason why Denver was, what, the two-seed. Like, he was really good last year, even if he doesn't defend all that much. But he can shoot, he can take guys off the dribble, but his numbers this year, his minutes this year, have been all over the place. Like, how how do you explain that? Is it as simple as Denver is that deep? Or, I mean, has he regressed a little bit this year? No, I think it's more about, um, I think that roster is, is just deep, and I think, you got Gary Harris in front of him. You got Will Barton, who's having a really good year. You had Torrey Craig. Um, you know, sometimes they went two guard lineup with um, Monty Morris and Jamal Murray. Um, I think it's you kind of lose your confidence a little bit when your role gets reduced. Um, there were certainly games where he played well, and yeah, I mean he had a he had a heck of a year. Um, in, you know, in his third year, so I, I'm a I call him. He's comparable, and this, you know, your listeners probably won't know who this is, but he's comparable to Lucius Harris, who I had in New Jersey. Yeah, right? well, I remember him. Guy can come off the bench. Yep, guy can come off mm-hmm. the bench, six man, knows his role, and give you 12 to 13 points. And I think every team needs that type of guy that you know is going to give you that type of production. I'm just fascinated to see what the money is this summer. I mean, I do think Malik Beasley, the plan is for him to be here long term, but like, and you're right, I mean, not many teams have cap space. 
But, like, you know, does Rich Paul look at the Will Barton contract? What is that, like four years, $52 million, $51 million? Like, does he try for that? Or, realistically, I mean, is, you know, the number, like, three years, you know, 30-something million? Yeah, I mean, I think the Barton number was probably a good um, comp before the season started. Um, you know, especially for Millie coming off that year, I don't I – don't, I don't see him as a $14, $15 million guy right now. Uh, I think he's still at that three for 30. But as you know, it just takes one team to kind of come in for, um, you know, with a big offer. But, I mean, you look at, you know, Atlanta's got, you know, Kevin Hart there, and you've got um, Memphis with uh, Dylan Brooks. Um, You know, you've got Cleveland with Garland and Sexton. So you kind of go down a list of teams that have room. You know, maybe New York becomes a wild card. And teams – you know, it's hard for a team to commit $14, $15 million for a shooting guard that's really not a starter. Bobby, you're always so, so generous with your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You got it. Thank you. That is Bobby Marks of ESPN. We are done. That has been Scoop Podcast episode 279. Searching for the perfect gift idea for that hard-to-buy person on your list? The Allbirds Wool Runner is a natural fit. The Wool Runner is super cozy, super comfy, and super giftable. It's made with ZQ-certified merino wool, a naturally cozy material that offers next-level comfort and a lower environmental impact. The cushioned midsole and versatile design offer all-day comfort in a classic style you can wear every day, even in a winter wonderland. And its fully machine-washable construction makes it easy to keep your shoes looking like new. Allbirds shows off the Wool Runner's carbon footprint right on the shoe so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset that carbon footprint to zero, making the Wool Runner completely carbon neutral so you can stay cozy and tread lighter on the planet. This holiday season, give tidings for comfort and coziness with the Allbirds Wool Runner. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A L L B I R D S.com. At the Home Depot, we have Black Friday savings all through November. And with that comes a joyful holiday bustle that we just love to hear. Although we also love the sound that comes after the holidays. When people put their new tools to use. In fact, we love it so much. When you buy select Milwaukee M18 kits, you'll get an extra tool for free. So after you're done filling the air with holiday magic, you can fill it with the sounds of doing. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.